everybody, this is Gene Marks, and welcome to another episode of the Paychecks Week in Review podcast, part of the Paychecks Thrive podcast series. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get right to the news. Only 27% of family businesses surveyed in a new survey have a fully structured succession plan, with more than half of respondents in the survey indicating their plans were impacted by the pandemic. 37% were slowed or paused, and 15% were sped up. This was a new survey of family-owned businesses by the First Bank Center for Family-Owned Businesses. Additionally, there are differences between first and subsequent generations, second, third, and fourth generations, uh, the owners and members on a variety of topics, including how and when to best involve future generations in the business. Family-owned businesses or businesses where the majority of ownership of control lines within a family has a substantial impact on the U.S. economy. Nearly 62% of the U.S. workforce, approximately 82 million people, are employed by a family-owned business. And 64% of our country's gross domestic product, totaling $5.9 trillion, comes from a family-owned business. The 2023 Family Business Survey is the first research project released from First Bank Center for Family-Owned Businesses. The research engaged 552 family business owners, members across first to fifth generation companies and was conducted in partnership with the McKenzie Corporation. This week is the National Mom and Pop Day and family-owned businesses obviously play deeply into that. Clearly, if you're running a family-owned business, you are part of a huge part of the U.S. economy and also a huge employer of so many workers as well. And you've also got huge headaches because many family-owned businesses are dealing with uh, one, two, three generations of people that are in the business. My recommendation is to address these issues right up front. Have a good succession plan for your older family members to work their way out. Don't support any kind of nepotism. Treat those family members as if they were outsiders as well. Have them get experience outside of your business before working in the family. And also, you know, to have some type of a good buy-sell agreement among your family partners so that whatever happens, you've got a roadmap for somebody leaving the business or buying out or getting sick or whatever. Everything in writing is the way that you can avoid conflicts within the family in the future. There is a new study out that lists Florida as the best state in the country for small businesses. Starting a small business, you know, is a big job, but if you're looking to blame a business owner uh, or become a business owner, a new study says Florida is the place to do it, guys. A report by Capital on Tap, these guys are a, a business credit card company, uh, they rank Florida as the number one state in the nation to start a small business. Florida's 5.5% corporate tax rate and its top ranking for creating new jobs are some of the reasons it tops the list. Research studies also say that not only are Florida, Floridians viable enough to employ staff, but the local businesses are benefiting the economy. The study looked at eight factors, the number of entrepreneurs, the number of jobs created by startups, firm survival rates, the number of new employer businesses, new employers, um, you know, corporate tax rate, uh, corp labor costs, a medium wage, average small business loan per employee. And again, Florida wound up on top. Listen, Florida did really well during the pandemic. They took some big, made some big decisions, some hard decisions, Texas as well. It's no surprise to me that both Florida and Texas, particularly Florida, is leading the country in small business startups and also small business success. It really has been a very, very business-friendly environment. 
Speaking of our small businesses and overall you know, environment, small business conditions are improving amid a renewed economic uncertainty. Small businesses across the United States reported healthier conditions in recent weeks amid a prolonged period of economic turbulence. A new survey collected by the Census Bureau over the first half of March revealed that small businesses largely anticipate a rosy economic picture six months into the future. So a lot of small business owners are looking at some good times as we head into 2023, as well as a potential sign of optimism that the economy could manage a soft landing and avoid a much feared recession. This relatively positive sentiment held even as the Fed continued down its path of monetary tightening, although the latest survey results have yet to reflect the uncertainty injected into the economy by the recent banking crisis and latest Fed interest rate hikes, these developments could make it much more difficult for small businesses to borrow money amid bankers' moves to curtail lending activities and shore up their balance sheets. One thing, though, uh, actually two things. Also in this survey, uh, it was found that small businesses themselves are recovering pretty well from supply chain issues and nearly one in five small businesses expect to add employees over the coming six months. Yeah, we're all trying to figure out when that recession is going to come. Most of my clients still seem to be doing pretty okay. Really depends on where you're located and what industry you're in. If you're in the tech industry or even construction, you've got some challenges. If you're in the service industry, retail, restaurant, travel, you're not doing so bad right now. So really does depend. Finally, Let's talk about minimum wage and a new survey that just came out of Berkeley. The prevailing wisdom among many business owners and policymakers is that when the minimum wage rises, smaller, lower wage employers suffer more from higher labor costs and are more likely to cut jobs. But in this new survey, again, it was co-authored by a Berkeley economist named Michael Reich, found that small businesses can pass the cost on to consumers with little negative impact. Indeed, some restaurants pass on the cost to consumers and the small price increase are not enough to drive consumers away, Reich said. The owners benefit further uh, from higher wages means less turnover as well as less advertising and training for new workers. In the end, their profits are not harmed. He says the net effect is a transfer of income from consumers who are able to pay a bit more to the workers. So this study has been found that, uh, hey, you know, raising minimum wages may not be such a bad thing. I have to have some doubts about that, but also I guess I can talk to a lot of my clients that, um, you know, are, are resist minimum wage increases because there's only so many cost increases you can pass down to your consumers before it starts eating into your bottom line. But listen, the minimum wage debate will continue on for sure. Whether or not it makes a difference, I'm not even sure anymore because, frankly, I don't know many clients that are paying the bare minimum in their industries. Most companies are paying a lot more than that. Um, but, again, certain industries are more subject to the minimum wage than others. So those are the news for this week in the Week in Review, a Paychecks Thrive podcast. My name is Gene Marks. I hope you've gotten some good information to help you manage your business and know what's going on. If you need any help or advice, or if you'd like to suggest guests for our Paychex Thrive podcast series, please visit us at payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics. Otherwise, I will be back to you next week with a few more items of news that impacts your business and a few thoughts on why it's important for you. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you then. Take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2023. All rights reserved.